Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Today, um, I want us to start a new series, uh, as Jana said earlier, that we're calling uh, Follow the Roar. Follow the Roar. A couple of years ago, I came across uh, the picture that's going to show on the back screen here. Um, scrolling through uh, like a free photo site online, and there was something about um, that picture that uh, captivated my heart. I think, um, you know, in Scripture, Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. And so as I was scrolling, maybe it was just kind of the mood I'm in, I was in, the, the life situation I was in, but I came across that photo, and I could just kind of see a picture of, of, of God holding me. Um, basically, that um, daddy lion is basically saying, bring it, right? Like, <laughs> try to mess with my boy. And so I, I, I immediately just kind of fell in love and with, with lions and started um, kind of learning about them, looking, looking at them, looking into them. And so for the next few weeks, Pastor Scott and I are going to kind of tag team a series we're calling Follow the Roar, where we're going to base um, some things that we can learn uh, off of the characteristics and what makes uh, a lion a lion. How many of you ever, have, have ever been close enough to a lion um, to smell his breath? feel the warmth of his breath, maybe count his whiskers, maybe see what he had for lunch in his teeth. I hope you haven't. If you have, you may not be here. Or you're, you're missing something if you've been that close to a lion. But how do, you, how do you know a lion? You know a lion by their roar, right? A roar for a lion is a distinctive thing. It's something when you hear, you can even hear it in a movie, and you immediately know what a lion's roar sound like. sounds like. It's the thing that, they're, that they're, they're known for. And actually, if you do a little digging, a lion, a roar isn't something that a lion has to learn. A lion is born with the ability to roar. Now, as a lion matures and gets older, their roar gets stronger, but it's something that's kind of just innate in them, this massive ability to make these massive sounds that they use for all different kinds of purposes. In fact, an adult male's lion can be heard over five miles away. So that's about here to downtown Greenville-ish, right? Five miles away. A lion's roar can reach up to 114 decibels, which, by the way, was much louder than the music that you were listening to just a few minutes ago. And the whole reason for this, the volume has to do with the cat's larynx. Um, most animals have triangular vocal cords, but a lion's are square and flat, which allows them to respond more easily and louder because it allows more air to pass through. A lion is born with a natural ability to make roaring sounds. And as humans, we are born with some natural abilities as well. Now, we're born, as the Bible says, because of the fall of man in Genesis, we are born into a fallen nature, into a sin nature. Because 
at the fall, sin entered the world, everything became off balance. And so now when we are born on earth, we are born sinful. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. If you don't know that, you don't have any kids, you've never been around any, you've never seen any on TV. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. We're born into sin, but we're also born with this natural desire and ability to love and to desire to be loved. We're born with this ability to, to want love and this ability to, to give love and to serve other people. I mean, even if you're not a believer in the room today, I think you would have to be willing to admit that it feels good to love other people. Like something just happens inside of your soul when you serve somebody else or when you give to somebody else or when you sacrifice something for somebody else. It's not necessarily just a Christian thing, but we are born with this natural desire to give back. And for those of us that are believers that do claim to follow Jesus, that should be even more, right? Because Jesus himself sets the tone for that, and so our desire and our ability to love should even be higher. In fact, Jesus said that love would be a natural mark on us. In John 13, 35, this is Jesus speaking, and he says this. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the distinguishing factor that Jesus says shows that we are a follower of his is by the way we love other believers and by the way we love the people that we come in contact with. People that are different from us, people that believe differently from us, people that watch a different news source than us, people, that one's not current, people that look a little different, people that believe certain things that are different than us, Jesus says, this is how, out of all of the ways that I, you could be marked as my follower, this is how people are going to tell you different. And it's going to be by your love. It's going to be the way that you roar when you live your life, especially with those people that don't think like you, don't act like you, and don't look like you. So a lion's roar distinguishes them from the rest of animals. Our love should be the thing that distinguishes us. But I'm afraid that for those of us that are Christians, our love isn't the thing we're known for. In fact, if you're not a believer in the room, when you hear the word Christian, you probably think some different things rather than, oh, yeah, those are the most loving people I've ever been around. You probably think things like they're a bunch of hypocrites. They say one thing, they do something else. You probably think, oh, they're judgmental. They put me down. You probably think they're good, at, they're good at pointing fingers. But what if we could change all of that? What if we could begin to do what we were born to do? Today, I want to talk for the next few moments from the topic of born to roar. Born to roar. Look at the person beside you and roar at them. I got him to throw that in there just for fun. Wasn't that fun? Born to roar. It's what we're born to do. I have a, I have a simple message for you that I want to just kind of talk through over the next few moments, but I think it's going to be a, a good reminder to some of us and a good challenge to others. So let's get started. Luke 5, Luke 5 starting in verse 17. This is what it says. It says, one day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. 
it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. How many of you know that even today, the Lord, the God's healing power is still available? He still does this. Since so some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to take him inside to Jesus. So our roar or our love for others should have four parts. Number one, we have to recognize when other people need us. We have to recognize the needs of the people around us. Now let me put this, this specific scripture in context a little bit. In, in this um, time period, in this belief system, it would have been believed that this paralyzed man who these friends carry to show up to Jesus' healing service, it would have been believed that this man was paralyzed because of a sin issue in his life. That would have just been a natural assumption that they would have made. Now, we don't, we don't necessarily know that that's the case because a lot of those things, as time progresses and as um, medicine progresses, we've learned that some of those assumptions weren't quite right. And so we don't exactly know why this guy is paralyzed, but it would have been assumed that he had a sin issue. And I think that's really important to draw out because of the way that Jesus is about to interact with this man. Because Jesus doesn't interact with this man, and these friends this day do not interact with this man based on his brokenness or his sinful disposition. In fact, it's almost like in just a few moments that Jesus reaches out and loves this guy even more because he's broken and paralyzed and hurting and possibly has a sin issue. And here's what I want us to understand this morning, and we are amazing at this as a church, but this is why we exist as a church, to love the people who are most in need of love. That is why this church was founded, and that will always be why this church exists, to love the paralyzed, to love the sinful, to love the broken, to love the shamed, to love the shunned, to love the let down, to love the push down, to love the underdog. That is why we exist as a church, and it always will be. We recognize that people need help, and people are in need of not just meeting a Savior, but they're in need of our love as well. It's why we exist as a church, but you know what? It's why you should exist as a human being. It's why I should exist as a believer in Jesus to recognize the hurting people around me and to love them right where they are, to look for these kind of people as I live my life, to look for the hurting person, the sinful person, the addicted person, the broken person. That's why I exist. And I find it pretty cool that this guy had some friends, even though he was messed up and even though he possibly was a very sinful person. These men recognized that their friends, their friend needed Jesus, and they realized that Jesus was his answer. Notice that these men that are about to help this man be lowered down in front of Jesus, they had a friend who was hurting. Do you know why I think a lot of Christians today aren't reaching and loving people that aren't Christians around them? Because they don't know anybody who's not a Christian. 
and, and, and as I see the world more and more segregated off into, into specific beliefs and specific ways of life and specific political parties, the more that I see the world segregated off, it really does make me wonder, well, how in the world is the church ever going to, to teach people and love people and love them into the kingdom and help them meet Jesus if we're too busy separated? You have to, as a believer in Jesus, you have to have friends that don't believe like you. It's okay. It's, it's okay to love somebody who got the vaccine or didn't get the vaccine, depending on which side you fall on. It's okay to love someone who's not a believer in Jesus. It's okay to love someone who is a Buddhist. It's okay to love someone who is addicted to pills. It's okay to love someone who is uh, an alcoholic. It's okay to love those people. But you have to have friends if you're going to be able to reach anyone with the love of Jesus. These men had a friend who was messed up, who was paralyzed, and they recognized that he had a need. I think one of the reasons for me personally, the reason that I don't recognize the needs of some other people sometimes is because I got needs too. Anybody got needs? I've got needs. And so sometimes I can get so concentrated on my life situation that I fail to see what other people are going through. But if I never recognize what they're going through, if I, how will I ever meet their need? How will I ever be able to love them if I never recognize that they are in need, in need of my love? I mean, I, I, have, I have needs too. And some of you today, I realize you have some very, very deep needs yourself. You have financial needs. You have spiritual needs. You have emotional needs. You have relational needs. I realize you have some needs, and I'm not dismissing your needs today. What I am saying is I believe something amazing happens when you begin to focus on the needs of other people and recognize their need for you first. How many of you have ever been around a one-upper? You ever been around a one-upper? Let me, let me explain. A one-upper is one of those people that always has a better story or has more of a pain than you. And so if you're, if you're, if you're around a one-upper, um, you'll say something like, you know, got a quarter, quarter raise last month. And they'll say, yeah, I remember I got $5 an hour raise a couple months ago. Or you'll say, oh, man, last, last week I hit my toe, and, and now my toenail's falling off. And somebody will be in the conversation. And you can tell these people because they try to work it back into something that they can talk about themselves. And so then they'll go off on this whole thing about toes and feet. And then when you get to the end of it, they broke their foot two years ago and their leg and their femur and tore their ACL. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? It's a, it, it's a one-upper. It's somebody who's always concerned about themselves. It's someone who's always concerned about their needs and what, and what they have. I pray and I hope that the church isn't known for people who are one-uppers and are always concerned about their needs. I pray and I hope that we, at least as a local church, are people that recognize the needs of others. Yes, I may have needs. I may not have it all together. I may not be perfect. I may not have a large savings account, but I can still recognize that somebody else needs my help. I don't always have to be the one in need. Don't, don't be a one-upper. So these men, they recognize the needs of their friend. 
and they recognize Jesus' power and ability, and they come up with a plan. So to love, you have to recognize their needs. Then you have to organize. You've got to come up with a plan. You've got to, to organize a way where you can begin to meet that need. It's, it should be, at least, especially for those of us that call ourselves believers in Jesus, it should be fairly easy for us to be able to recognize that somebody needs our help. But then you've got to come up with a way to try to, to try to meet that need. And so these men decided, since the doorway's blocked, since there's so many people in their way, they had to figure out another way to get their friend who needed help to Jesus because Jesus was the one who could help them. And so what did they do? They came up with a plan. What keeps you from figuring out how to love and serve other people? For a lot of us, I think we would say it's, I ain't got the time. And I ain't got the money. It's our two most valuable resources, right? But there are ways to love and help people that don't require a lot of time and a lot of money. Did y'all know that? As a matter of fact, we're going we're, we're gonna to help you. We've put together um, this thing called Serve Well September that we're doing this month. It's going to be a, a church-wide thing. And what we want to do is we want to help you organize ways to love and serve other people. And so each Sunday, as you go out, you're going to receive a card. On this card is kind of a challenge of how you can serve someone in that coming week. So each week they'll be different. You'll get it on the way out, and we're just going to slip you a card. We're not going to keep a tally on these things. You're not getting extra heaven points for completing it. You don't get to take back out of the offering bucket next Sunday if you bring this back or anything. But we're going to give you a card. And it's going to have a challenge on there each week. There's also going to be a table in the lobby. And at that table, there's actually even more options of things that you can do, some organizations you can partner with. But we want to help you organize a way to actually be able to love and serve the people around you. Some of these are going to cost a little bit of money. Some of them are just going to cost a little bit of time. A lot of them cost cost you no money. But hopefully what we want to do is we we want people to be in our community to, to begin to feel the love of Jesus in a tangible way. And so try your best to complete this. You know, it, it, if, if you want to, you can, you can do that, and you can take a picture of this, and you can post it to Facebook, and we'll all know that you completed this challenge, okay? That probably is not the most spiritual thing to do, but if you want to brag about it, maybe take a picture of it. But for the next month, you're going to get one of these challenges every single week to help you organize a way to love and serve someone around you. Does that sound good? And our hope is is that after September ends that those cards can kind of spark ideas for you to continue to love people. Maybe do it as a family. Maybe do it as an individual. But hopefully it will spark ideas and it won't just end in September because you have to recognize a need and then you have to organize. You have to have a plan to meet the need. So these men, they have their plan and then they put it into motion. Verse 19 says, But they couldn't reach him, talking about Jesus, because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. So they're breaking and entering at this point. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd. Isn't it interesting? And I just, I just thought about this. I don't have an answer. But earlier it said that he was paralyzed. Here it says he's sick. 
Isn't that interesting? I thought it was. On his mat, down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So recognize, organize, and then you got to act. If we're going to love people, we've got to recognize their need. We've got to come up with a plan, and then we've got to do something about it. Can I tell you what drives me nuts? Is when somebody presents a problem, especially to a believer in Jesus, and all they ever say is, I will pray for you. Now, I, I know I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to say that prayer works, and it does. Prayer is so essential to the life of a believer. Prayer literally changes things. But what I'm afraid is that as believers, a lot of times, we excuse inactivity and call it prayer. And I'm afraid that even the church globally as a whole, when something in our world happens, we're always going to pray for them But as I look through the Gospels and as I look at the behavior of Jesus through the Gospels, I don't see a Jesus who just prays for people. I see a Jesus who acts on behalf of people. So, yes, prayer is great. Pray for people. Prayer changes things. Prayer heals people. Prayer changes destinies and eternities. Pray for people, but don't just pray. Meet the physical need to act on what you can. There's got to be action Jesus didn't just always bless people and pray over them. Jesus met their needs, as we're about to see with this, with this paralyzed man. So we have, to, we have to act. Now, I've always read this story. I learned about it at Bible school. But I've always read this story, and I've always wondered, how did they get up on that house? Anybody else thought about that? Because keep in mind, they are toting this paralyzed man, right? And so I guess I had, I always pictured them like had a rope and they're like shimmying up the house, you know? Y'all are nervous that I'm either going to split my pants or take by this. But I guess I always pictured that they were like shimmying up this house. But then I started thinking, well, the paralyzed man couldn't help them. So what's happening? Like, is it, poor fellas, they're probably banging him against the side of the house, Right? And so I had this picture in my head that they're using like, I don't know, like a carabiner and a rope and, and trying to get up, trying to shimmy up this house so that they can get on the roof. And then, and then they tear off the roof with a, with a sledgehammer and then they drop him down, right? But that's not how it happened. How this would have actually happened was it would have been typical of homes in this time that there would have actually been steps up to the roof of this house. And beyond that, there would have been steps to the roof, and then the roof would have been a series of tiles that would actually shift. And so once you kind of took one tile out, you could kind of shift them, shift them around, and then you would make a hole for them to lower this paralyzed man in. And do you know what hit me when I read that? Is sometimes I make serving and loving other people so hard. These men recognized that this paralyzed man had a need. They came up with a plan, and they organized a plan to get it done. And then they acted in a way that made sense. What keeps you from loving the people around you? Especially, what keeps you from loving the hard to love around you? Because a lot of times, I make it too complicated 
I think I got to shimmy up a house when the steps are right there. Some of you, you're, you're, you want to help people. Like you, you have a heart to help people. Some of you, you, you can think of needs right now and some people around you that they really do need your help, but you haven't been able to figure out how to help them. Can I suggest you look for the stairs? Like what do you have in your hand? What do you already have that you can love someone in a tangible way, that you can serve them in a tangible way? Sure, you may not be able to, to, to remodel their house, but do you have some Lysol wipes at home and some Windex? Could you go clean it? Sure, you may not be able to, to, to pay their power bill for them, but could you invite them to stay with you the night? Look for the stairs. And we make this thing so complicated. Sometimes, sometimes the thing that people need most isn't anything that you can give them but it's your attention. Sometimes looking for the stairs and serving people in a tangible way doesn't look grand and it doesn't look huge. It looks like a phone call when that person is on your heart. Sometimes it looks like a, a text message when you know they had a bad day yesterday. So these men, they, they look for, for the stairs, and they begin to take this paralyzed man up to the stairs and begin to take parts of the, of the roof off. Now, the stairway is there, and the roof can be easily manipulated, but you know what? These friends still had to do something. They still had to, they still had to act. And so... Let me try to reenact this, maybe if it would have happened in, in the South, okay? So, you have this guy, we'll call him Billy. He looks at another friend, we'll call him Bob. He says, Bob, there's too many people down here in this doorway. All these people don't move down here, and we can't even get in there. And Bob or Billy, whichever one I said, didn't say earlier, <laughs> looks at the other one and says, what, what do you reckon we ought to do? Billy, Billy says, huh, let me think about that here for a second. All right, I think I've got an idea. I, if something's coming to me, yep, I got an idea. Why don't you, why don't you go out there to your F-150 I know you got some string at back there. So why don't you go out to your F-150, bring that string with you, and we'll take Bubba. And we'll <laughs> I mean, that was the southern B name I was missing. So uh, and we'll, take, we'll take Bubba. I'll just sling him over my shoulder, and we'll walk up in steps right there. And when we get up to that roof, we can just tear open some tiles, and we'll just put him right there smack dab in front of Jesus. And Bob or Billy, once again, whichever one I didn't say earlier, says, well, I mean, I've gotten arrested for breaking and entering before. I reckon I can do it again. <laughs> and, and sure enough, they tote, they tote Bubba up to this roof. They lower him on some ropes smack down there in front of Jesus. Now, that sounds crazy and it sounds extreme, but real love is willing to do extreme things. I'm not condoning breaking and entering. Unless that's what it takes. But I'm not condoning breaking and entering. But what I am saying is, what if, the, 
What if the world, when everything seems to be falling apart, everything seems to be going to hell in a handbasket, what if the world could look at the church and say, I know they can do something because I've seen their love? What if the world wouldn't look at government programs or government funding, but what if they looked at the church and said, we can call on the church because those people have the market cornered in love? What if your friends, when they're hurting, when they're broken, what if they didn't look everywhere else to to, to substances or to somebody else or have to call anybody else but what if they looked at you and said I know they love me what if the church could have the extreme love that Jesus had for people what if we could just roar with love and the sound was heard across our world that's the kind of love that Jesus loved with And that's the kind of love these men are willing to demonstrate. And once again, I think the reason why they're willing to demonstrate it is because they were willing to get close to a hurting man. And then they were willing to act on it. That's the kind of love that that Jesus was known for. Jesus would risk his reputation of the day being with people that, loving on people that all the people around him said he should never love on. Jesus would be on his way to some important places with some important people, and he would see a woman crawling on the ground just just looking to be healed, and he would stop. And he would heal this lady. He, He was okay with with interruptions. Jesus would ultimately lay down his life because that is the kind of extreme love that Jesus was willing to take action on. What if just us in this room, just the people watching online, what if we began to love with that kind of love? You you may tell you what would happen. With social media, and with news media these, this day and age, it would take about two days for the world to hear about it. But we've come so far, we've come so far from what Jesus really did, haven't we? Because of our bickering and our arguing, and because of I've got to get mine, I've got to prove I'm right. We've come so far from what Jesus taught. But what if we were willing to act in the way that he, he acted? And I think that one of the problems, one of the things that blocks us from loving other people, for some of us today, is you think they don't deserve it. You're not willing to act. You, you recognize their need. You can organize a plan, but you're not willing to act on it because you think they don't deserve it. Well, they put themselves in that situation. They made the bad choice. It's, it's their problem. You know what? I never saw Jesus wait for justification before he loved somebody. Love never waits for justification. Lo- in other words, love never waits on someone to deserve it. Let's be people that don't wait on justification before we love somebody. Let's be people who have an, an extreme way of acting on our love for other people. So now it's Jesus' turn in the story to do what he does. And it says in verse 20, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, 
Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now, before we go off on the Pharisees, keep in mind, they've waited on this Savior for a long time. So what they're doing here does make sense because other people had claimed to be able to do this. But then, verse 22 says, Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Now, that would have been the thing I'd been like, okay, maybe you're right, Jesus. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Jesus says, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now, this is a strange interaction, but, but it is significant. Jesus having the ability or claiming to have the ability to forgive this man's sins would have been a big deal. It was blatant blasphemy if he wasn't really Jesus. And so the Pharisees kind of call him out on this. They're like, hey, who, who, do, you, who do you think you are? And then Jesus kind of makes a counter argument by healing this man and telling him to pick up his mat and to go home. Do you see what, what had to happen was Jesus wanted to prove and confirm that he had the power to forgive sins by making an act of love and healing the man. The way that you and I prove through our actions that Jesus is who we say he is is by the things that we do. And so Jesus says, you're forgiven. The Pharisees say, I'm not so sure. And Jesus is like, sermon illustration, and gets the man up and tells him to pick up his mat and go home. In other words, the way that you and I can most easily prove that Jesus is real, because that's our job as the church, is by acting in love to other people. You can talk all you want to, but until you show love, and until you begin to love in a tangible way and act on the things that you know are right, people won't understand your love. Now, the opposite is true, too. You can't just show love and never tell them about Jesus either. But we have to act. And so Jesus gives this man, gives these Pharisees a true picture of his power of forgiveness through the act of his love. And watch what happens next. Verse 25 it says, and immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, pick up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. So you've got to recognize the needs of others. You've got to organize. You've got to come up with a plan. You've got to act. And then... What I've noticed is you always receive. You always receive something. Now, I'm not saying that we give, whether it's financially or with our time. Or I'm, not saying we, I'm not saying we love so that we can get something in return. That's not the way it's supposed to work. But what, I'm, what I am saying is that we serve a God who is so gracious and so generous that I have never once acted in love, especially sacrificial love towards someone else and not received anything in return. 
It's not always monetarily, although sometimes it is. Sometimes God does bless you financially because of the way that you're willing to bless other people. It's, it's true. I know that some churches talk about it too much, but some don't talk about it enough. But it's not always financially. Sometimes it's just a, a joy that you get. Sometimes it's the way your, your faith is built. I mean, can, can you imagine... Can you imagine what Billy and Bob, can you imagine the story they went home telling? I mean, partly because, and I don't know if you've thought about this, but if Jesus didn't heal this man, how would they have ever gotten him back out of there? But can you imagine the story that Billy and Bob tell their wives when they get home or tonight at Olive Garden? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what they receive? Can you imagine the joy that they go home with? Can you imagine that they don't walk home? They run home behind Bubba, and they're like, everybody, look at Bubba. Look what happened. And can you imagine how their faith is forever changed in this man, Jesus? Why? Because they were willing to to recognize his need. They were willing to organize a plan, and they were willing to act on that plan. And they received something far greater than an afternoon of watching college football would have given them, assuming this was football season. It's just the way God's economy works. And so these men, they go from frustrated friends to dedicated followers of Jesus. They go from people that love this friend, but probably always had to kind of pull him along with them to people that are now running behind Jesus' sermon illustration because they were willing to love. They were willing to roar. They were willing to let their love be heard. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you in the room this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And why am I talking so passionately about what I'm talking about? Because we love you. And we want to do a better job of showing it. So if you're in the room this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you feel like he's knocking on the door of your heart, and as I've been talking, you've been thinking, wow, I am loved. Something is different. Would you pray this prayer in your heart or or out loud even? It's not a magic prayer. It's more of just a confession. Just say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. I've missed the mark. But I also know I can't do it by myself. So would you come into my life and forgive me? Thank you for taking the punishment that I deserved. Thank you for dying and raising from the dead. Thank you for being my living hope. My life is yours. For the other people in the room right now, who needs to hear your roar? That name, 
those people that you just thought about. Let's make it happen. Can we be a church globally, but can we, can, can we be a local church who pushes aside all of the stupid arguments of the day and all of the presuppositions that our minds think of? And can we be people that just let our love be heard loud and clear to the people around us? Sure, we still hold on to right and wrong, but we love in spite of it. Can we be people that don't wait to justify why they deserve our love because we never deserve the love of God and he gave it anyway. Can we be people who spark a revolution in our city? A revolution that loves first and is willing to act on it, that loves in spite of political beliefs, in spite of skin color, in spite of age, in spite of, of race, in spite of anything. Can we be people that love the people around us? God, thank you so much for a church that is founded on this principle. God, I've seen it time and time again the way people are welcomed into this place. People that a lot of other churches, a lot of other Christians wouldn't have thought much of. God, thank you that so many people under the sound of my voice right now, thank you that our, our pastor sees the way that you see. Lord, may our love be loud. We're born to roar. May people feel it. May people know it. And may you just give us the, the audacity to do it in spite of our fears, in spite of what we don't have, in spite of not feeling like we have the perfect plan. May we just love people. May we serve people well. In Jesus' name, amen.